This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, we are continuing a series of messages that we've called Inheritance Stories That Shape Us. And so over the course of the summer, we've walked through some of the, the big stories in the Old Testament and seen how some of these men and women are not just examples or role models for us, but when we are brought into relationship with Jesus, the scriptures teach us that we now become inheritors with him of the faith. And so what that means is these stories we're reading in the Old Testament, regardless of your family background, regardless of your personal history, these are your spiritual ancestors. This is the spiritual DNA that you carry. And so they are not just men and women who lived in a different time, different place, and a different reality than you experience, but they are men and women who walked with God as you do, who faced obstacles and opportunities as you do, and they experienced the power of God at work in their lives just as you and I can. Today we're going to look at the story of Solomon and see how he leaves us an inheritance of wisdom. So if you have a Bible, we'll be primarily in the book of 1 Kings this morning. We'll, we'll wrap up in the book of Proverbs towards the end. But we'll start in 1 Kings. If you're unfamiliar with Solomon, Solomon was one of the kings of Israel. He is, uh, rules over the nation of Israel during its most uh, powerful and expansive period in its history. Solomon is the son of King David, the most famous king in Israel's history. And he's the one who's been entrusted to kind of take what God has built through David and carry it into the next generation and establish it in a way that it will last for generations after him. And so this morning we'll see how Solomon tackles that incredible responsibility by first seeking the wisdom of the Lord, then receiving the wisdom of the Lord, and then implementing the wisdom of the Lord in the world around him. Um, but before we do that, uh, just thinking of wisdom, my, my question to you this morning is, do you remember the period of life where you knew everything? Anybody remember those? Yeah. So um, how many of you would say that was in your teenage years? A few of you? Yeah. Uh, young adult years? Okay. Uh, 30s, 40s? Yeah. 50s, 60s? Still? Okay. All right. Uh, 70s, 80s? 90s, you knew it all? Hundreds, you knew it all? Right? I mean, by that point, we would all just admit you probably do. It's fine. No one's going to argue with you. Uh, I, I know for me personally, there have been a, a few seasons of life where I, I really knew everything. The first was in that like 16 to 18 range. It was the most confident I've ever been in my life <laughs> about anything in life. And I thought I knew it all. I, in fact, I remember I had a job that I, I worked in high school. I worked at a hospital. And uh, so I would come home regularly and tell my parents, I'm basically a doctor. Uh, like anything you need, I can help you with. Any problems you have, I can solve. My little brother would be like, my elbow hurts. I'd say, come here, let me look at that. Um, and then they would look at me and they would say, you work in the cafeteria. <laughs> but that wasn't stopping me, right? Because I just thought I knew it. And, and, and I remember that feeling at different stages in life. If I remember being in college and, and you're starting to learn new things and you've kind of got a, a career path in mind and you're thinking, man, I, I, I can't wait to put all this into practice, right? I was training to be a pastor and I, I remember as a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old thinking, man, I can't wait till I can just fix every problem the local church has ever had. And I can't wait till I can be the one who finally just, if they'll just ask me, I'll tell them, right? And, and you have these moments in life, and we've all had these moments in life, but eventually we come to the space where we recognize, I don't actually know it all. 
And Solomon, who is the, the prime example of wisdom, right? Even, even people who have no familiarity with the scriptures, they're familiar with the idea of the wisdom of Solomon. He's just associated. Solomon and wisdom, they go together. And, and so even Solomon, what we'll see in his story is early in his life, when he is first stepping into his calling as king, he recognizes that the job he has been given is far too big for him. And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 2. Verse 1, if you have a Bible, if not, it will be here on the screen for you. It says, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. So as, as David is dying, he gives Solomon this incredible responsibility. He's telling him, hey, look, Solomon, your job, first of all, be strong and act like a man. I mean, that, dads, if you're looking for advice to give your sons, that is your take home for today. Just, and, and you can't, like your wife can't get on to you. It's from the scriptures, right? Be strong, act like a man. And then he keeps telling him, but the reason you're going to do that is so that you can bear up under the weight of carrying this kingdom on your shoulders. So you're going to be strong. You're going to act like a man. And then he tells him what that looks like. He says to be strong and act like a man is to obey the law of Moses. It's to walk faithfully with the Lord, to submit to him in everything you do and everything you are. And then he adds some extra weight on the end so that it will go good for you and all of the nation and our family line will continue on the throne for all time. No pressure. Goodbye. And then David goes his way and Solomon takes his place on the throne. And it's a moment in life that we all have had where our responsibility far exceeds our ability. And if you haven't been there, just, just wait, because it's coming. Right? You, you, maybe you remember when you, you got dropped off at college, and that you were so full of confidence. I, I could take you back to the dorm room in Springfield, Missouri, that I walked into so ready for my parents to leave. And within about three hours, that reality of, oh no, it's all on me now. I've got to keep the scholarships. I've got it. There was a little unpaid balance on my tuition that I had to work and come up with in first semester so I could come back second semester. And suddenly the, the reality of there's no one here. There's no support system. I didn't know. I knew one other person on that entire campus. And, and just the reality of nobody's looking over my shoulder. Nobody's helping me. Nobody has food ready when I get home. What happens to this laundry when I wear everything? All of these things came crashing down on me. And it's that, just that, that reality you've had it in other spots. Right? Maybe it's uh, your first real job where you step, and it's not just the stuff you worked as a teenager, but you're starting into your career. Or maybe you get the promotion that you've been waiting for, that you're so certain you're ready for, and suddenly you step in and you feel the weight of responsibility on your shoulders. I remember that when I came to Christian Chapel. I was 23 years old. I was the youth pastor here. I started the 1st of May, and the 1st of June, they told me I was taking about 30 kids to Mexico to build a house. 
And I, it was probably wasn't the picture of confidence, but I remember getting in the church van, and I think we had two or three that we were driving down, and, and I turned and I looked at one of the kids when we were a little ways outside of Tulsa, and I had, my, uh, I had all my MapQuest directions printed out in a binder uh, because it was before your, your phone had the navigation, and, and I was giving them to them and saying, hey, make sure we get to Mexico. <laughs> and then I followed it up with, I can't believe your parents trust me to get you to Mexico and back. Like, do they know what they're doing? And, and their question was, do you? It's like, about to find out, aren't we? And here we go. But, but you'll have that space where the responsibility weighs heavily on you. Every parent in the room, you remember that moment, right? Maybe it was in the hospital when you held your baby in your arms. Maybe it was when the adoption was finalized and you recognized this is ours. With all three of our kids, I could point you to the spots in the different hospitals where I sat and I held them and I looked at them and I thought, you're alive and I have to keep you that way. (laughs) This is our job now. This is what we do. This is the next couple decades of our life is all going to revolve around keeping you alive. And it is an awesome, still to this day, I mean, we're 17 years into this parenting journey, there are still times I am driving just with one of my kids on a long trip, and I stop and think for a moment, like, who's in charge here? Where are my parents? Where are my grandparents? Who really, like, how, how do we know this is going to turn out well? And you'll have that space, and this is what happens for Solomon. The wisest man the world has ever known, his journey begins with a responsibility that is too great for him to bear alone. And when you come to that space, you don't have to worry, you don't have to panic, you don't have to think there's something wrong with you, you don't have to think you're weak, you don't have to look at the world around you and think, well, no one else gets nervous about starting college, no one else gets nervous about having a job, no one else gets nervous about starting in their career, no one else gets nervous about having children, but you can just recognize God has led you to a place where you need to recognize your dependence on him. And it's going to happen to all of us because it's part of God's path for us. He never intends to give you responsibilities that he does not want to help you with. His plan is for you to live in an eternally dependent relationship on him. And so he will continually lead you into new spaces and places where you have to acknowledge your weakness and call out for his assistance. This is exactly what happens to Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. It says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, You have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant here is among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon's response to his need is to ask for wisdom. And it's, this is our inheritance. Our her- inheritance isn't just, you're wise, now don't worry about it. Our inheritance is, you're not wise, and you're going to recognize that. And when you recognize that, you're going to have to humble yourself and ask for it. 
So when God gives you responsibility beyond your capabilities, it's supposed to lead you to humility, to recognizing, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know which way to go. Now, culturally, this is not a celebrated practice, right? Because we are the culture of pick yourselves up by your bootstraps. We are the culture of if you don't know, figure it out. We're the culture of fake it till you make it. We're the culture of don't show weakness. And yet listen to what Solomon, the wisest man in all of the earth says, when he's entrusted with this responsibility, he says, Lord, I am only a child. Solomon's a full-grown man when he prays this prayer. He already has kids. He already has been trained by his father, David. He's surrounded by the wisdom of his culture and the wisdom of the scriptures. And yet when he feels the weight of responsibility, he says, I'm only a child. It's so different than the way our culture responds. And, And yet what we need to understand is admitting our need for weakness is never, is never a sign. Admitting that we have weakness is never a sign of immaturity. It's always a sign of maturity. The thing that makes Solomon a great leader is he's willing to recognize he needs help and he's willing to ask the Lord for it. And yet for for many of us, we struggle with that because we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. And yet that arrogance either masks our insecurity or our ignorance. But neither one are, are good things, right? And so we've got to lay down the arrogance. We've got to lay down the insecurity. We've got to lay down our ignorance and just recognize God has led me to a place where I'm facing decisions where I can't see all the outcomes. He has brought me into a position and placed responsibility on my shoulders that I cannot carry on my own. And so now my job right here and right now is just to say, Lord, I need your help. And what we see in the scriptures is we can pray that prayer with confidence because the prayer for wisdom is a prayer that God has promised he will always answer. Right? And, and aren't those the kind of prayers we want to pray? Don't you want, I mean, when you pray, aren't, you're always praying, hoping God will answer, correct? And you're hoping he'll answer in, in a positive way in your life. And of all the things you've prayed for in life, wisdom is the one thing in the scriptures that we're told, if you ask for it, you will get it. But you have to ask because part of wisdom is humility. And when you come with humility, and that's what Solomon does, the Lord says, what do you want me to give you? And Solomon starts with, Lord, I need wisdom to govern this great people of yours. And then we see God's response, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. It says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. So again, it's, it's just a, a very simple pattern. We need wisdom. We ask for wisdom and God gives wisdom. When Solomon says, Lord, I need wisdom, God's response was not one of shock or surprise. He wasn't dismayed. He knew that Solomon had been given a job he could not accomplish on his own. And so he says, okay, that's what you need. That's what I knew you would need. And so I've already prepared to give this to you. 
And so he answers, and he gives Solomon incredible wisdom. Wisdom, he says, unlike anyone who's come before him or who will come after him. And this wisdom then begins to flow into every area of Solomon's life. In fact, if if you're very familiar with the scriptures, you've read Proverbs, you've read the Song of Solomon, you've read Ecclesiastes. All of these are the result of the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. I started to go through the book of Proverbs to share with you, like, hey, here are some of the Proverbs that you've heard in your life, some examples of God's wisdom. But as I was making my notes, what I realized is I was just rewriting Proverbs. And so I was just copy and pasting Proverbs 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. And you can't pick one out over the other. And and so instead of that, what I want to encourage you to do, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. When I was in college, I I had my senior year, I had a a class with a a professor. He was in his 70s. He'd been a a pastor, a missionary, a a seminary professor for about uh, 50-ish years at that point. And so they gave him all of the senior class uh, over the course of their final year of school. And his job was basically just to pour all of his wisdom into us. And so he would teach us about leadership, and he would teach us about scriptures, and he would teach us about how to lead churches and how to start ministries and all of these kinds of things. But the thing that sticks out to me still to this day is him telling us one day, hey, listen, you are all going to be put in positions that require wisdom beyond your years. And I'm not going to be there for you. You might not always have mentors around you who can help you. He said, so I'm going to tell you the same thing someone told me when I was your age. If you want wisdom beyond your years, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Pick one chapter that corresponds with the day of the month and read that, right? And then in February, just double up and and read a couple on the last day. So, um, and, And so I adopted that. And I found that what he told us was true, that if you will incorporate Proverbs into your life on a regular basis, month after month, year after year, it becomes a wisdom stacking experience where the wisest man who has ever walked the earth is speaking to you. And in Proverbs, you get Solomon's wisdom about your relationship with God. You get wisdom about your relationship to your parents, about your relationship to your children. You get wisdom about when you're married, how you should act and how you behave. You get wisdom about the type of spouse you should choose. You get wisdom about how you work, about how you don't work, about how you save money, how you give money, how you loan money, how you borrow money. There's wisdom about your health. There's wisdom about every aspect of your life. And so what you're doing is Solomon is just says, Lord, I just need some wisdom to administer justice. But what God does is he is so pleased with Solomon, he answers in abundance. And he says, Solomon, I'll give you that and I'll give you so much more. Now, Solomon, when he prays for wisdom, there is no way he could have had in his mind that thousands of years later, you and I would be gathered in a room on the other side of the world, learning from the wisdom that God had for him. All Solomon asked for was just wisdom to not be a terrible king. And he's just saying, Lord, I just need help to administer justice. I just need help to discern what is right and what is wrong. He wasn't asking for help to expand their borders. He wasn't asking for help to fortify against their enemies. He wasn't asking for help in administration. He wasn't asking for help in diplomacy. He wasn't asking for help in any of these other areas. It was a very specific request. God, give me wisdom to administer justice. And God said, because you've sought wisdom, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to you in abundance. And you and I are still the recipients and the inheritors of that wisdom today. 
But the wisdom that Solomon received was not just restricted to what he wrote in Proverbs. In fact, we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. He spoke 3,000 Proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. I mean, to, to put it in our language, Solomon was, he was like ancient Google. He just, he knew it all. And he knew stuff people didn't know. And his fame began to spread to the other point where, where kings from surrounding kingdoms would say, we need more wisdom in our culture. And they would send envoys to Jerusalem to sit at the feet of Solomon to listen to what he said. And the wisdom that God gave him, I mean, you, you heard it right there. It wasn't just restricted to religious matters. It wasn't restricted to ruling the kingdom or administering justice as he had requested. It expanded to everything. Solomon led Israel to their highest point in history. They were more powerful. Their, their borders went farther. Their revenues were higher. Their people were more respected. They were more feared by their enemies than at any other time in national history. And it started with a request for wisdom. And so what I want you to understand this morning is when you face a situation where you need wisdom and you're hesitant to ask for it, you might actually be preventing something even greater that God wants to do in your life. Because he's led you just to the point where you recognize you need his help here. But as you ask for wisdom and you begin to walk the path of wisdom he lays out for you, what you're going to experience is he has even greater things for you down the road. And so, so in Solomon's life, we see this tremendous example of he asks and the Lord gives in abundance. But this isn't just an Old Testament principle that we're trying to pull out and apply to our lives today. But we actually have a New Testament promise that the same thing still happens for us. James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So again, same pattern. Let's just work through it real quick. If you lack wisdom, James carries the same assumption that the Old Testament carries. You lack wisdom. I lack wisdom. He, it could have very easily read, when you lack wisdom. Right? And if you think that's not me today, wait till tomorrow. Something is coming that will reveal your lack of wisdom. Well, just, what does James say? The moment you recognize it, you don't try to fix it. You don't try to manipulate it. He says, you ask God. So I don't have wisdom. I'm going to go straight to the Lord and ask him for it. And then he says, who gives generously? What does God do for Solomon? Solomon says, Lord, I need wisdom in these couple areas. And God says, okay, how about thousands of others as well? How about we give you wisdom about things you never even knew about? How, we, how about we give you wisdom about things you've never thought about? How about if we give you wisdom and it draws attention to my hand at work in this kingdom in ways that are beyond your wildest dreams and imagination? This is the same thing James tells us. When you ask God for wisdom, and, and for some reason, we often still come like we're bothering God. Lord, if, I, if it's not too much of an imposition, if I could just get a little bit of help in this area and not bother you too much, it would just be great. What's James say? You ask for wisdom and God gives 
generously. You're thinking, Lord, I only want wisdom for my job. And he's like, how about your marriage and your kids and your finances and your health and your community and, and all of these areas and just floats again and again and again and again. So James says, when you lack wisdom, ask God and God's going to give generously. Another way of thinking of that is God's going to give lavishly. God's going to give extravagantly. Your life is going to overflow with wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I have not yet reached the point in my life where I've thought, I have enough. Lord, I don't need any more wisdom. I have all I need to handle all that will ever come my way. Because it's, it's constant where I'm understanding I need more. And what the scriptures are telling us is God doesn't just give you enough to get you by. He gives generously. And then he says he gives to all. And right, what does that mean? That means he gives to all. It's very complicated, right? All means all. All means everyone. All means me. All means you. All means him. All means her. All means them and they and everyone everywhere. Anyone who comes to the Lord asking for wisdom will receive it. And James says he gives it to all without finding fault. What does that mean? It means it doesn't matter who you are, where you were raised, or what you have done. When you become a child of God, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive that forgiveness of sins, you're brought into new life. He does not look at you as what you used to do or who you used to be. He looks at you as his fully chosen, loved, and known son or daughter. And he sees you as a child who comes in need saying, Lord, I need wisdom. And he says, that's great because I've got it in abundance. And he's going to pour it out on you in that season and in that situation. He's going to do all that you have asked and more than you could ever think or dream or imagine. And he does it without finding fault. So it's not about, do I deserve God's wisdom? It's not about, have I earned God's wisdom? It's about, do I walk in relationship with Jesus? Because if so, all I've been told is if I lack wisdom, I'm supposed to ask and God gives generously. And this is why the enemy comes and tries to deceive you with arrogance and insecurity. Because he knows if you lack wisdom, God is going to give it to you. And he knows if you get the wisdom of God, you're a dangerous person to him. And so he doesn't want you to have it. He's going to lie to you and he's going to manipulate and he's going to try to make you think you can handle this on your own. You can do it on your own. But God gives generously without finding fault. And, and then what happens when you embrace the wisdom of God? Well, what Solomon's life shows us is when God's wisdom flows to us, it is always designed to flow through us. And so for Solomon, his wisdom, he can't keep it in. Why? Because the wisdom he has received is the gift of the Spirit inside of him. It's the power and presence of God. God never gives wisdom independently of his presence. Right? His wisdom isn't a set of rules. It's not a book that you follow. The wisdom of God is the presence of God that lives with us, goes before us, and influences every single thing that we do. And so what that means for us today is God has wisdom for every season and situation that you find yourself in. It's not just for spiritual needs. It's not just for relational needs. But everywhere you put your head, your heart, and your hands to work, the wisdom of God wants to flow into those spaces, places, and people to bring the reality of his kingdom into that world. It's great news for us because it means it's not on me. Now, you, you might be here this morning and think, well, that's cool, but I work in a space that the scriptures don't speak about, right? I, I mean, I don't, I don't read in Proverbs much about, like, the, the IT profession. I don't read much about QuickBooks and spreadsheets and analytics and whatever else you do that I don't understand, but I'm glad you do it, right? But, but they may not speak specifically to those things, 
But they speak about what it means to be a man or woman of integrity. They speak about what it means to work with honor and dignity. They speak about what it means that you are the place where the Spirit of God dwells. They speak about what it means to build his kingdom everywhere among everyone at all times. And in those spaces, what you will find as you come to the Lord in every avenue of life and cry out for wisdom, he will give it to you generously and it will overflow into the world around you. You will receive the blessings of God's wisdom. Sometimes, like Solomon, it may include material blessings. Sometimes it may include opportunities to speak that wisdom into the life of others. Sometimes it may be influence in just a very small circle. Sometimes it may be a thousand other things, but the wisdom of God will never stay inside of you. It will always overflow into the world around you. And your life, when you live by the wisdom of God, will be better. You will be more peaceful, more kind, more loving. You will be better with your family, better with your friends. You'll be a better boss. You'll be a better employee. You'll be better with your finances. You'll be better with your health. Not because you've somehow discovered a formula to implement, but because you have discovered that in every space you lack wisdom, the scriptures promise God will answer and God will provide. And so if you've come in this morning carrying the weight of decisions and responsibilities, not sure what your future is going to look like, not sure how you're going to handle the problems you face tomorrow at work or school, the great news is you have received an inheritance of wisdom where God will speak to you and through you into every challenge you are facing. He sees it, he knows it, and he has a plan for it. And then our challenge is when we experience the blessings that result from living by the wisdom of God, that we continue to live by the wisdom of God. Just like Gideon, who we looked at last week, Solomon's story actually has a a bit of a sad ending. Because he achieves this great wealth, this great power, this great position of honor, this great position of, uh, of influence throughout the world at that time, and yet he doesn't steward it well. Eventually, he begins to believe his own hype and and starts to think that everything he has is the result of his own strength, his own decision-making, and his own giftings. Forgetting the prayer that he prayed of, Lord, I am only a child, he now begins to think, Lord, I am a man, and I can do whatever I want. In Solomon's life, we we get the wrap-up in 1 Kings chapter 11. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his father David had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as his father David had done. Solomon abandoned the wisdom of God. Not just that he had received when he had requested, but also remember David's charge to him was to follow the law of Moses. Solomon, in his success, decided that the rules no longer applied to him. And he failed to understand the most basic principle that more success always requires more wisdom. The more God blesses you, the more you need his wisdom to steward those blessings well. 
The, the more, and it could be material blessings, it can be relational blessings, it can be opportunities, it can be anything in the world. Never underestimate the enemy's ability to take the good things in your life and turn them into bad things. Because what does he do? He just tells you, hey, you deserve this, you've earned this, you can do this. Solomon knew the requirements of the law. He knew he wasn't supposed to marry these women, and yet somewhere along the line, he decided those laws don't apply to me. Look how smart I am. Look how wise. People are coming from all over the world to hear from me. So if I want to do this, I'm sure it's okay for me to do this. And his wisdom became foolishness. And Solomon, it says, as he grew old, which, which he tells us in Proverbs that typically wisdom is found with the older members of our society. And yet for Solomon, the reverse happens. It says as he grew old, he became more foolish. He married more and more women. His heart was led astray by them. And so it's a reminder for us when we've experienced the wisdom of God, and especially when we've experienced the blessings of the wisdom of God, we must remain humble, continually asking God to help us steward his blessings well. Because if we don't, we will believe our own hype, and we will follow the destructive path of Solomon. What's fascinating, if, if you take that Proverbs challenge and, and you start reading one chapter a day, so, so you go home today and August 7th, you read Proverbs chapter 7 and Proverbs 8 tomorrow, Proverbs 9. What you'll notice is Solomon gives so much great advice that at the end of his life, he refuses to follow himself. And he, he talks about walking wholeheartedly with the Lord. He talks about letting God direct your steps. He talks about resisting the temptations of the flesh. And yet, the older he gets, the more he thinks, I know that's what I said, and that's probably good for you, but I'm just going to do what I want. And without the ongoing presence of God's wisdom in our life, we too will begin to give in to compromise and to embrace the other path. And, and Solomon, he basically tells us in Proverbs, there are two types of people. He says there's the wise and the foolish. And there's really no middle ground. And the wise walk with God and are empowered by God. And the foolish walk according to their own desires and their own passions. And Solomon the one that God told you will be, there will never be anyone like you before or after you, ends his life as a fool, turned completely away from the Lord because somewhere along the line, he detached the, the results from the cause. And he thought now that he had the results, it was proof that he could do whatever he wanted to do. And so in our lives, we're instead going to make a conscious effort of I'm going to seek wisdom in every season, in every situation, in every moment, I'm going to seek wisdom. I'm going to embrace every new obstacle as a place where God has a plan. I'm going to celebrate every new blessing as a place where he's going to help me steward it well. I want to leave you with, with three very practical ways that when we seek wisdom, God gives wisdom. So, so remember, kind of the, the pattern we see here, both in Solomon's life and what James tells us in James chapter 1, is when you lack wisdom, ask for it. And when you ask for it, God will give it. So when God gives wisdom, how does he give wisdom? And so just three quick ways. We'll actually take these from the book of Proverbs as well. The first way that God is going to give you wisdom when you ask is through the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So to put it very simply, if you want to hear God's voice, you have to read God's word. 
Listen to what that says. Again, every word of God is flawless. He has a purpose and a plan for everything you're facing, every challenge, every opportunity, every blessing. He has a plan for it, and his plan is flawless. And he will be a shield for you against every attack of the enemy that would come to try to separate you from him. But catch that last point. He is a shield to who? To those who take refuge in him. You have a responsibility. The scriptures can't speak to you independently of your participation with them. It doesn't matter how many Bibles you own. It doesn't matter how many Bible apps you have on your phone. It doesn't matter how many Bible, planning, Bible reading plans you've started. It doesn't matter what your attentions are about the scriptures. What matters is, are you reading the scriptures? This is the primary way that God has revealed his will to us. It's the primary way that you will receive wisdom from him. And so if the scriptures are not part of your life, it's like saying you're starving but refusing to eat the food that's in front of you. At some point, you have to make the decision. And, and so I would encourage you, develop some kind of scriptural discipline. Read your Bible. Find the same place, the same location, the same time every day, and build it into your life. And I know, because I've heard and I've had the objections myself of, well, I don't want it to become legalistic. Well, listen, a little legalistic Bible reading is better than no Bible reading. Okay? So if you will just get started... And be disciplined about it. And if you skip a day and feel bad, great. That's fine. It'll help you get back on track, right? If you're like me and there's nothing you love more than a checked box to see, like download that version app. They've got the little boxes. You can check them every day. Makes you feel all warm and fuzzy. It'll tell you your streak of how many days you had in a row. Makes you feel all good. God needs to work in those areas too, but it's okay. We'll read the Bible and we'll let him work, right? Don't let your, I mean, my goodness, a fear of legalism keeping you from the scriptures Stop it. Just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. When you read the Bible, God speaks. He speaks over and over and over again. And, and don't just read it on your own. Talk to other people about your reading it. Plant yourself in a community where the scriptures are respected and submitted to. Be part of small groups where the scriptures are discussed. Put yourself in a place where the scriptures become the primary authority in your life because you are hearing thousands of messages a week about who you are, about who God is, and how the world works. And the wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of God. If you want the wisdom of God, you must go to the word of God. And when you surrender to the scriptures, you get wisdom. The second way God gives us wisdom is through the spirit. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 says, The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so he's going to speak through the scriptures. He's also going to speak to you personally and powerfully as you read the scriptures and as you ask for his input in your life. God makes his wisdom personal and powerful through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. And so when we pray for wisdom, we're not just praying for God to send us something. We're asking for God to send us his very presence. And it's the Spirit who comes and make the Scriptures come alive. It's the Spirit who comes and reveals the path that you should take. It's the Spirit that gives you that check deep down in your guts of this is the right decision or this is not the right decision. Right? The, the Scriptures don't exist independently of the Holy Spirit. And so when you're asking for wisdom, what you're asking for is, God, I want to live in an ongoing, vibrant relationship with you. 
I'm not looking for some kind of stale, dead religion where I just try to implement a list of rules to the best of my ability. But I'm looking for a living and active relationship where God speaks to me, through me, through the scriptures, through seasons, through situations, through other people. Plant yourself in a position to walk with the Spirit and you will be a person of wisdom. And then the last thing is the saints. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, when we say saints, we're not talking about St. Thomas, St. Aquinas, any of those. We're, we're talking about you, and we're talking about me. We're talking about the community of the saints. The wisdom of God dwells uniquely and powerfully among the people of God. Paul tells us in one of his letters that the manifold wisdom of God is made visible in the church. If you want to be a wise person, you have to plant yourself in a wise community and surround yourself with wise people. And as you submit to the scriptures and as you walk with the Spirit, you will engage in relationships with the saints. And what you will find is God uses others to speak clearly and directly to the seasons and situations that you find yourself in. I can tell you from my own personal experience, I, have, I can't think of a single significant decision that I have made without seeking the input of other godly men and women. And sometimes they confirm what I believe God is already speaking to me through the scriptures and the spirit. And sometimes they help me see that's not quite the path that God has for you yet. Right? But, but what does Proverbs tell us? With many advisors, you will succeed submit to others, live. Now that requires you have to be in relationship with them. You have to know them and they have to know you. You've got to give some other people permission in your life to let you know, hey, you're not walking the path of wisdom. You're not making wise choices. You've got to be humble enough to invite their input and to submit to what they're saying to you. But when you do that, you'll begin to hear stories of, well, I've been where you've been. I've experienced that. I've asked that question. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how God answered. Let me tell you how it went well. Or, or maybe, let me tell you how I missed it and it didn't go well. But as we submit to the scriptures, to the spirit, and to the saints, we will seek and experience wisdom. And my greatest prayer for you this week and, and over the coming week is that we will be men and women who are ready to acknowledge our need and to receive God's gift of wisdom. Whatever problems you walked in here with this morning, whatever uncertainties you're dealing with, whatever decisions you have to make in the coming weeks or months, whatever new responsibilities have been placed in your lap, whatever problems just feel like they jumped out of nowhere into your path, the good news for you today is God see them, God already saw them and he already knew about them and he has a plan for them. And through his wisdom, he's going to lead you through them. He will reveal the path and he will enable you to walk in it. He will speak through the scriptures and he will confirm it by his spirit. He will affirm it through the saints that have been placed around you. He's not leaving you hanging out to dry. God brought you to this moment so that you will live in a dependent relationship with him. And he will generously give you all the wisdom you think you need and so much more. Will you stand with me? I wanna pray for you. And then the band's gonna come and lead us in a final song. We you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you have never begun a relationship with Jesus, your path of wisdom starts by surrendering to Jesus Christ, by asking him to forgive you of your sins and embracing your place as his son or his daughter in his kingdom. 
And so for you today, if if you've never made that decision, today is your day of wisdom when you choose to surrender your life to him. And you can do that in the prayer room afterwards. You can come find me or one of our pastors. There's nothing we love more than praying those prayers with you and getting you started on that journey. And so Jesus, we we pray right now for, for anyone in the room, for anyone who's online with us who has not started that relationship. Lord, today, will you reveal yourself as the truest, deepest, and most eternal source of wisdom. And may they come to understand that the best choice they will ever make in their life is to take their place in your kingdom. And now, Lord, I pray for each person in the room or online with us who find themselves facing situations where they need your wisdom. Lord, as I, as I place myself in that camp with them, we come today to be encouraged by the scriptures that you know we need wisdom, you're waiting for us to ask, and you will answer with generous abundance. And so Jesus, we come today and we ask that you would give us wisdom in our relationships. Will you give us wisdom in our marriages, wisdom with our children, wisdom with our parents? Will you give us wisdom in our friendships? Lord, will you release your your wisdom into every difficult and trying relational situation we find ourselves in? God, we come today asking for your wisdom at work and at school. Will you give us a clear sense of purpose and direction? Will you give us the ability to navigate the challenges that are in front of us and to steward the blessings well? Lord, we come today asking for your wisdom in our decision-making. Lord, I pray especially for those who are in the room who, who are the next weeks and months, they're facing monumental decisions in their life. Lord, decisions that are going to shape the direction of their life and maybe their family's lives for years or decades to come. As they feel the weight of that decision, Lord, I pray that they would also feel the grace of your wisdom and that they would know you have not brought them this far to abandon them but that this process is one where they learn to hear your voice and to faithfully embrace the wisdom and follow the path that you lay out for them. Lord, you see all the other areas where we come needing your wisdom today. And we come with hearts full of faith, believing that you give generously without fault to all of us. And so Lord, will you come, Holy Spirit, release your gifts of wisdom and knowledge and discernment. Jesus, come and fill us with your power and your presence and enable us to walk the path you're laying out for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.